This is Transit Unplugged. I'm Paul Comfort. Great to be with you on another edition of News and Views on Transit Unplugged, the world's leading transit executive podcast. Today, we've got an action-packed podcast for you, including some headline news of what's happening in Washington, especially this last week. And then we've got two great interviews lined up for you for today's podcast. Lauren Cochran Scoville, Vice President of Sales at Proterra, will be talking with our producer, Tris, about what agencies need to think about when planning to go electric, such as systems, utilities, maintenance and safety. It's one of the top trends right now. Transit agencies are moving towards zero emission buses. I also was able to sit down with Chris Harris, Associate Director of Transportation at the University of Auburn. And we talked about the transportation projects going on there at a university sat down with him live to record this at the American Public Transportation Association Expo, which happens about every three years. This time it was four years, and it was a massive event with thousands of people, uh, really the first big national conference of its kind in the United States since the coronavirus vaccine for public transportation. And it was phenomenal. We did a lot of stuff with Transit Unplugged there, some of which you'll be able to see and hear in the future. It was our fourth anniversary celebration in this month of November, so we put on a um, couple big events. One big event was a live CEO roundtable uh, featuring five of the most powerful women in transit. And it was a amazing event. We included Nadine Lee, the CEO of Dallas Dart System, Leslie Richards, the CEO of SEPTA in Philadelphia, Lauren Skyver, the CEO of Sunline Transit in Southern California, MJ Maynard, the CEO of RTC of Southern Nevada in Las Vegas, and Bakara Malden, Chief of Staff at the Memphis Area Transit Authority. And it was a really big event with hundreds of people gathered around. We had big cameras up or a television set, uh, and it was a smashing success. Very inspirational. Uh, the women talked about their career journeys and gave great advice to anyone wanting to move up in, in the transit industry. Uh, and it was just powerful. We, we did record it. We will be bringing it to you as a podcast, as well as it'll be our third episode of our new Transit Unplugged TV program. So that's kind of exciting. Also at the event, just before the um, CEO Roundtable, uh, kicking off our fifth season and celebrating our fourth season, we uh, showed everyone there our brand new social media sites, which will include our own Twitter site, our own LinkedIn site for Transit Unplugged, uh, Instagram, and a brand new website at transitunplugged.com. And I'd encourage you to visit transitunplugged.com, even if you get your podcasts uh, on another platform, just to see it. It's a great new kind of Netflix-style, BBC-style streaming uh, website with lots of new information that we're now posting on it, in addition to just the interviews. We also have, of course, the whole interview is transcribed. Uh, and also, there's lots of links on there now for information that we talk about on the podcast. It's great. Also, if you go there, you can click on and link to our other social media sites, which I encourage you to do to keep track of all the behind-the-scenes events that are happening with Transit Unplugged. The other um, big event we had there was a um, kind of a, a birthday celebration for the podcast uh, and uh, had lots of people, uh, probably over 100 people come for that, including many of our former guests. And we also announced our brand new Transit Unplugged TV program and showed a Sizzler Reel. And I'd encourage you to go to our YouTube site and watch that Sizzler Reel. It's just a two-minute kind of movie preview of what we're going to be bringing to you on a monthly basis as we visit a different city each month and kind of dive into the culture, the food, and the transit and talk to the transit executives there in an Anthony Bourdain-style travel show, but focused mostly on mobility and public transit, showing you scenes you won't see anywhere else. Uh, on any other television program. We've already filmed uh, episodes in Las Vegas and Nashville, and our third episode will be scenes from the Apta Expo, including the highlights of our CEO panel 
just going to be phenomenal. You'll be able to watch it on YouTube and hopefully other locations too. Again, go to transitunplugged.com to find the links to all of those sites. The other big news coming out of the United States this week is that uh, President Joe Biden signed the new big infrastructure bill. It was a massive $1.2 trillion infrastructure package with about $550 billion of um, new spending. It also included the uh, every five to six year transit reauthorization act here in the United States. And uh, it was a bipartisan effort in the Senate um, and uh, also bipartisan in the House when it passed last Friday. And uh, the president signed it on Monday of this week. And it includes massive increases for public transportation. Transit increased um, the transit title sees an increase of 43% above baseline levels for contract authority for $69.9 billion over the next five years. When combined with the supplemental appropriations for transit, this package provides 83% increase for transit funding when compared to the last reauthorization FAST Act level. So dramatic increase, as I've been saying it for a while now, it's as if the coronavirus pandemic showed how that public transportation really is the backbone of many of our and most of our cities and communities. And the federal government is stepping up in a big way to increase funding. There was also 172% increase in what we call Section 5339 funding uh, from $808 million to $2.2 billion. 5339B grants were preserved and increased uh, by 43% when it stays available for bus replacement for all fuel sources. And also there were low no uh, increase in set-asides for over a billion dollars for 5339C, which is um, low and no emission grants. Uh, there's there's a lot of a lot in the bill that gives the folks in Washington, D.C. the opportunity to review grant applications. Uh, there's a lot of new special programs um, in this bill, um, in the infrastructure bill that affects you know, both rail, uh, lots of new money for rail, uh, for infrastructure, all kinds of infrastructure pieces. And uh, it'll be quite some time to actually see how it's going to pan out uh, and how it's going to be distributed. Uh, the, the White House did announce Mitch Landry, the former um, mayor of New Orleans, as kind of the person who will be the infrastructure czar to oversee the $550 billion in new spending and infrastructure packages, you know, from things, as I mentioned, from transit all the way to a high-speed internet for rural communities. There's a lot of new money in this, improving the water systems in the country, a massive infrastructure spending bill. In addition, to our Public Transportation Reauthorization Act. Um, The U.S. Transportation Reauthorization Act was included inside the infrastructure bill. So all that passed, it's been signed by the president, it is law now, and we'll see lots of more money being pumped out to transit agencies around the country. Hey, thanks for always being with us every Wednesday for a new episode here on Transit Unplugged. Enjoy the rest of today's episode with two great interviews. Great, we're here at APTA Expo 2021, recording live podcast at the TripSpark booth, and happy to have with me Chris Harris, Associate Director of Transportation for Auburn University. It's good to see you with you. Good to be with you. Thank yeah, you for man. having me. What's going on? I'm just loving life. I'm away from work for a little while, so yeah. I'm kind of working on, on the fly, but, you know, it's, it's nice to see what's out there. It's been a little while since we've been able to get face-to-face yeah. in a expo kind of thing, so... There's a lot of new stuff out there, and it's really interesting. This show floor is jam-packed with all kinds of stuff, isn't it? It is. It is. And it's good to kind of get back and see some folks you haven't been able to see in a while because of the COVID thing. And I have some friends out here, so it's nice to be able to see them again face-to-face. So for people all around the world who listen to this podcast, we're heard in 100 countries, tell them where Auburn University is and a little bit about the, you know, your, your, uh, your campus and all that stuff and 
you're very famous for some of your sports teams. Yes, we are very famous. Our football team and the basketball team stand out. We have good sport teams across the board, though, as we support them all. Um, we're in kind of east central Alabama, uh, pinned between Atlanta and Montgomery, uh, just south of that other Alabama school. Right. Um, but it's it's a really nice neighborhood. It's a really nice area. Um, we're running a 70-bus fleet. Um, 50, 57 buses pull out every morning. Um, we actually it's just... Just for students and teachers and that kind of stuff? Yes, just for students and teachers. Okay. And we actually just got a brand new fleet uh, that rolled out in August. Like a whole fleet? A whole fleet. Holy moly, how'd you do that? Uh, the magic of finance. Um, wow. I don't know how they pulled it off. What kind of buses are you running? Uh, we're running uh, some new flyer buses. We're running Gillig buses. Uh, we got the new flyer hybrid electrics. Okay. Straight diesels on the Gillig's and then four of, uh, har four of the smaller Arbok buses okay. for our smaller routes. Uh, everybody's very excited about seeing the, the new buses I've never heard out. of that before, literally. I've never heard of anybody who's gotten an entire fleet one time. Got the whole thing at one time. That's amazing. Yeah, and, and I, I, have, I have 13 years to pay it off. So. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly how it works, right? But, and and um, so all the kids are back in school and all that? Yeah, and we're really close to carrying pre-COVID numbers. We're carrying almost 12,000 a day. Okay. Um, we were about 14, a little over 14,000 pre-COVID, so we're doing pretty well. Um, obviously, the mask mandate is what it is, and yeah. everybody still has to wear a mask. Um, and the students have done very well with it. Um, How do they, uh, a lot of universities I've been to, like, uh, I go there and find out they have a, it's free for the students because it's part of their overall campus fee. Is that how sure. you guys do it? Yeah, yeah. They pay student fees. Okay. Uh, faculty get it for free, um, unless they want to go someplace off campus. We have some off-campus locations. They have to pay for a bus pass for those. But okay. Um, for the most part, yeah, they pay for everything up front. So now, do you integrate in? Is there a city system that you integrate in with, or? No, not at this time. Uh, Lee Russell has a public transit service, but it's a, kind of an on-demand paratransit slash okay. service. Oh uh, yeah. So um, that's what we have right now. Now, who knows down the road, they're talking about integrating into university plus public transit. As the city grows, um, we just did a survey, and they're showing almost like a 13% growth over the next couple of years, which is going to put a lot, of more, lot more people in that area. Yeah. Um, and the construction is forever. They're building apartment complexes everywhere. So everybody will have a place to live if you come move on down to Auburn. Yeah. So how long have you been in this job, and how did you get into it? What's your background? Um, I've been playing with buses since about 2007. Um, got with public transit with what was then Veolia Transportation oh, in yeah. 2009, who since went over to Transdev. Right. Um, due to a contract change in 2012, I became an employee of First Transit, and I was with First Transit all the way up to about three years ago when I got hired on by the university. So do they contract out to the, so these companies? Or they yeah. Yeah. The uni we contract out to First Transit right now. Oh, okay. Um, and they run our service. They do all the operational stuff and the maintenance, and we own the buses, and we pay the rent, and um, it works out pretty well. And yeah, being that I was... Yeah, is a big thing at campuses, isn't it, like that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think... I, and, and there's a lot of places that are... I, every place that I've been was a contract situation. Okay. And I've been at about five different properties throughout my years. Yeah. So... Yeah, it's, it's a great way, I think... You know, I serve as... Um, executive director of a group called the North American Transit Alliance, which represents the six big contractors. Okay. Uh, it's an industry like an airline association, but it's for these guys. So it's Transdev, First Transit, those guys. Mm -hmm. And we just did a study with UITP, to anal which is the international kind of APTA, to analyze the pros and cons of contracting and how it's done, the different models. And you're right, it's done all over the world. And 
you're able to produce safe, efficient, reliable transit service with great customer service. Yeah, and part of the uh, part of the argument to actually owning your own buses as we do now, yes, is if the contractor for some reason just can't do what you need them to do, they're not taking their buses and going home. You have the buses, you just find a new contractor, which kind of is a nice level of comfort yeah. in the contract world. Right. And, and uh, through 13C rules, if they're unionized, they keep their union protections even when a new company comes in and all that stuff. So, yep, yeah, absolutely. there's a lot to it. Well, that's interesting. So your job is to oversee the contractor, in a sense, and to set up the routes and make sure everything goes good, the financing and all that? Yep, I take care of, take care of the finances. We, we work together on the routes. Um, I pretty much had a handle on it, but I'm trying to get them more involved because they're out there every day. I'm not out yeah. there every day. Yeah. So I want their eyes. I want their opinions. I want to see what they see um, to help make it more efficient and make, yeah. make the passenger get the passengers where they got to go. It's all about the passengers, right? So you got new vehicles. Where are you at on like the technology side of things headed into the new year? Are you you have new technology, or what do you use? Um, we have a full-blown camera system on there. Uh, we have a tracking system on there. We're getting ready to do some upgrades. Um, we were in the contracts when we got the buses, so we kind of used what we had. Um, we're looking for the future to try to make uh, get some more technology in there, get some better technology. Um, and Again, it's all about the students. If they're not happy with what we're producing, technology-wise, I mean, we, we have an engineering school that's crazy, and they're just all over the place, and they go, you know, if we can do this, we can do that, and, it's, and they're really smart, and we have to keep up with them somehow. <laughs> that's right. Um, and I just, you know, and that's what we're working to do. Do you have the apps where people can see where the bus is on their phone? Yeah, we have the apps with approximate ETAs and approximate passenger load and that kind of stuff, so... Um, but again, they're always looking for the next. That's right. What What's the next big thing? What, what can we do? Right? Got to stay ahead of them. That's great. Anything else you want to tell us about your system or service or where you're kind of the future focus? Um, future focus, I think we're looking at uh, electric eventually for okay. everybody. Autonomous, I think intercampus would be a nice autonomous oh, experiment. Yeah, man. Um, we got our big game day. Anybody come down to come down to the game? We do service for everybody for free on Saturday game really, day. For yeah. the games, yeah. Yep. That's so smart. Come on down. You can get on the bus quick that way, not having to drop a buck in and slow everything up. That's smart. Yep, that's free. You come on. We bring you to campus. We'll take you back. You only have to sit in the bus while you're sitting in traffic. Very good. And what's the name of your football team for people who want to root for you around the world? It's uh, Auburn Tigers, but we go by War Eagle. That's right. War Eagle. <laughs> Thanks so much, Chris. Thank for you. I appreciate your time. Unplugged. Hey, welcome to Transit Unplugged. We're on the transit tech segment, and I'm here with Lauren Cochran Scoville at Proterra, their booth, beautiful booth here at APTA. There's a bus next to me. I know it's radio, you can't see it, but it's a great booth next to me. And we want to talk about everyone is switching to electric buses from Transport for London, every, around the world. People are getting, you know, no emission buses, and Battery Electric is the leading one. But these aren't your parents' buses. They are complex machines. So what should agencies be prepared for making the switch? What do they need to know ahead of time so they're fully prepared and they can take advantage of these beautiful pieces of equipment? First of all, I would say, I don't know about you, but this feels like a zero-emission bus conference, not just APTA Expo. 
That's what everyone is talking about. Everyone, absolutely everyone is talking about zero emission buses. There is a battery electric bus in every single booth and nothing is more exciting for us as the leading innovator in this space to see so much interest in zero emission transportation and particularly in battery electric buses. So the first thing for agencies to know when they're buying a battery electric bus is that not all battery electric buses are created equal. So one of the first things uh, an agency needs to determine is their range requirements and how much time they have available to charge at the end of the day. So you mentioned that you're sitting next to our bus in our booth. This is the Proterra ZX5 Max. It's our fifth generation bus. Comes in a 35 and 40 foot uh, low floor model. And this bus, the ZX5 Max, has 675 kilowatt hours of onboard energy storage. What does that even mean? Yeah, how, how long does that go for the, with a bus? What does it mean? So that means over 300 miles on a single charge. And so first step for an agency, how much range do you need and how much time do you have available to charge? And what about weather? I was reading like weather is a, is a big factor. It's like I live in Canada and it gets rather chilly and you have to keep that bus warm or in the hot climates you have to keep them cool how does that affect the range and what is that does that factor into what people what agencies think about for sure so something that is surprising to most people is to learn that battery electric buses actually perform better in warmer weather than they do in cold weather makes sense so what we do and you're totally right to say that weather affects range right because you're either using battery to heat the bus or to cool the bus and that takes energy so we work with customers uh, to provide what we call a route analysis where we look at the routes in their system we look at an average day a hot day and a cold day by aggregating the last 10 years worth of weather data and then we help estimate efficiency and range in varying weather conditions cool now what about i mean we talked about charging how long does it take a bus to charge on average? It depends. So it depends on how much the state of charge has depleted. So if you think about looking at your iPhone or your cell phone, you have a little indicator there that shows you how much battery you have left. So certainly the amount of uh, the, the amount of the state of charge uh, affects the recharge time. But we can recharge a bus in as fast as three hours. We also have high-powered. Uh, overhead chargers yeah. um, that can replenish about 30 miles every 10 minutes. That's pretty cool. Now, maintenance, I mean, th- these don't need oil changes and fuel and, Correct. and Correct. you know, all of those, but it is an engine and it does need, and they have tires and brakes and there's the brake recharging systems that help recharge. So from a maintenance standpoint, what do agencies need to think about preparing for having these new buses brought into the fleet as a pilot or a test or the replacement, what do they have to do? think about from the maintenance side and EAM? What is, how does that fit in? Well, good news for mechanics. Uh, the Proterra battery electric bus has 30% fewer parts on board than a conventionally powered bus. Which is typical for all EVs, passenger cars and yes. whatever. They all have fewer yes. parts. So the bus that we're sitting next to um, is uh, has our dual power drivetrain. So there's a motor in each of the rear wheels. There is no engine, as you mentioned. There are no oil changes. So with 30% fewer parts, less preventive maintenance. 
But the advice I would give to transit agencies, especially those that are deploying electric buses for the first time, is to engage your mechanics and your operators from the beginning. You want to get buy-in. This is new technology. This is new for them. Many of them have been working on diesel buses or hybrid buses or maybe natural gas buses for their whole careers. And as humans, uh, change is hard. And, and so scary. It's scary. It it's, is. And, and these are... I mean, you know, if you look at the ba- a battery in a typical fossil fuel powered car, I mean, it's it's not a, it's not that big, and it's you know it, you don't want to touch it, but it's not going to kill you. But the, these there are new safety requirements you have to plan for with something of this scale, right? It's like there's there's whole other you can't just pull these on into this like ah yeah just send it out on the road, right? It's well you you can't so. One thing to know about our buses, so you, obviously we have high voltage s- systems on board. There's 675 kilowatt hours of onboard energy storage. Um, we, as part of the training we do with operators, mechanics, and charger training, we also offer first responder training. So we train um, local police and fire on how to respond in the event of an accident because this is a new system um, for for those departments as well. Yeah, absolutely. Now, yesterday, uh, Lauren Skyver was in, was at the trapeze booth, and she's, she's yeah, I, I don't know, the leader, I think, in no emission, low emission buses. And they're building a trade school to train people on these technologies. Is, is that, it sounds like that's really essential to the industry now, right now for uptake of these kinds of vehicles, because they're not your parents. Yes hugely essential. So there's so much discussion right now about workforce development and what's needed. What I think is good news is that with the passage of the infrastructure bill, the low or no emission program has been increased from $182 million a year to $860 million. So this is money that's dedicated for low or no emission vehicles, so battery electric um, or other zero emission technologies. And as part of LONO, there is now a requirement, I think it's 5% of the total project cost has to be devoted to workforce development. Um, Proterra is uniquely positioned to help our customers with uh, training and what Lauren is doing with Sunline and creating that center is what the industry needs um, to, to not only recruit the right talent, but to train our existing talent to work on these new systems. It's very exciting, and the infrastructure bill is really exciting with all of the, uh, with this effort, not only for diversity, equality, equity, but there's whole sections devoted to this transition. How long do you think, as in the industry, before we are, there's so few diesel buses out on the road. Ten years? Less? What do you think? Fewer than ten years. So I think right now we're at a tipping point. We're at a boiling point for zero emission transportation. Within a decade, I think that's great for all of us. And I think it's a huge potential for the industry. I mean, if you were starting in trades now in high school, I think you would be really smart to learn how to use work on electric vehicles. Because that's going to be the norm. Yeah, absolutely. And the other big thing that's driving this shift are state and local mandates and and local goals. Look at Capital Metro in Austin, Texas. They have a self-imposed goal to transfer their fleet to zero emission transportation. In the state of California and New York, you have state mandates to achieve this goal. And so, quickly. And quickly, yes. Like 2030 is the number I keep hearing. Yes. The, the year mm-hmm. I keep hearing is 2030, we're, we're going to be switched. London... Uh, taxi, you know, like every every that's they're setting is this this number. That's 
tomorrow. It yeah. is tomorrow, and there's a lot of work to do. I mean, I think it's exciting. Lauren, when we're planning for these big battery-powered buses, they need electricity. That electricity has to come from somewhere. What do agencies need to think about for that, for just working with that infrastructure? Great question, and that's really the biggest challenge for agencies right now as we see them move from you know smaller five-bus pilot and demonstration projects to full-scale fleet electrification. Planning for the charging and infrastructure is complex, and transit agencies often need assistance from consultants, from their OEM, to help plan for that. So my advice would be for transit agencies to get involved with their utility early, start talking about existing power to the facility, what kind of power is going to be required as as the agency phases in battery electric buses over time. How long do you, should agencies plan that process to take, to talk, work with the utility, possibly have to upgrade lines to get to the, to the facility, because a general you know, industrial facility, kind of what a bus depot was, needs a certain amount of power, but these would need a lot more power. How long, how long should they plan this process to take? So I would time it with the delivery of a bus. So it takes about 12 to 14 months to get a bus. If you're thinking about buying electric buses, now's the time to start talking to your utility. Super. Okay, that's cool. So we've got power, maintenance in the yard, environmental requirements, systems like EAM and all, you know, ITS, yard management. They all have to understand I'm, this is a bus that you can't just pull in and refuel in 20 minutes. This is a bus that has to pull in and it needs time and then it can go back out. Lauren, this is fabulous. It's been very exciting. I thank you for taking the time to be here on Transit Unplugged. Yes, great. Thank you for having me. Hi, this is Mike Bismeyer, Regional Sales Director for Terra, and this is Mike's Minute, where we talk about leadership, mentorship, and kindness with the hopes it'll inspire you to pay it forward. Wow, with last week's Apta Transform conference in Orlando, all three of these topics were definitely highlighted. The excitement of not only being in person, but finally getting to share in person. The stories of the past 20 months of the pandemic, how our industry has continued to pivot and successfully deploy new and emerging technologies in spite of all the challenges we've been faced with, there was no shortage of leadership and mentorship on display. Passionate panels, committee meetings, innovative vendor exhibits, and enthusiastic learning sessions. We truly have great leaders and mentors that love nothing more than to share. Add to that the nightly networking events that were jam-packed, I'd say the future of transit continues to look exciting, and that's simply due to the people, the people that believe, the people like you that listen every week. I also had an opportunity, as I always do, to try and meet with a local charity organization in the host city. This particular one was called Salt Outreach. Thanks to my team for making donations as a random act of kindness, which also left me feeling inspired and wanting to continue to do more. You may be sensing my excitement, and I think I echo the sentiments of the 7,000 plus that attended APTA as well. It was finally great to see everyone. Thanks for listening. Kindness is cool. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to this week's Transit Unplugged News and Views with our special guest, Chris Harris of the University of Auburn and Lauren Cochran Scoville of Proterra. It was great meeting and chatting with both of them at APTA Expo 2021 in Orlando. Paul and I had a great time and it was great meeting all of you. Now next week on Transit Unplugged in depth, we'll have excerpts from the live panel of Women Leaders in Transit that we recorded at APTA Expo. This was a really fabulous session. 
You do not want to miss this. Now, in the meantime, if you have any questions, comments, feedback, or would like to be a guest on Transit Unplugged, feel free to email us anytime at info at So until next week, ride safe and ride happy.